Hello and welcome to episode 2.1 of the Northern Invasion podcast. You may be wondering what happened to 2.0. Well, basically we've not done it yet. Um, But this isn't the main episode. This is something that's focusing specifically on destruction. And we've got a special guest in to speak to us all, Donald Taylor. Um, We will be back with you uh, just next week with our main episode, which will be a preview episode for The Howling. And we'll be looking at some artifact combos and doing our uh, podcast patron giveaway. But until then, uh, this should see you through the weekend. Um, As ever, if you've got any feedback or any questions, let us know. And on with the show. So welcome to part of our Summer GT 2018 coverage on Northern Invasion. Uh, it's myself, Scott, here. Um, we've got Stu, Nathan and Liam with us as usual. Hello. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> and a very special guest, um, our first non-Scottish slash Northern uh, guest on the show. Um, it's Northern Ireland's very own Donald Taylor. Hey. How's it going, guys? Very good, good. good. It's very good, very good. Um, so we're here, mainly part of our uh, face hour coverage. Myself, Liam and Nathan were down there. Stu, unfortunately, couldn't make it. You were you were thinking about it up until almost the very end, but you never made it down, did you? No, it's, uh, it's a bit difficult. I tried to get a ticket at the time, and then when it comes down to try to scoop up a last minute ticket it doesn't really it it's not really easily done coming down from the aisles it's uh it's something you have to plan a few weeks in advance otherwise it it, it costs thousands and i have to spend a week away uh to get to manchester for a weekend so <laughs> yeah so no joy next the time as well i know next time <laughs> i always feel like if you miss the ticket you should just um plan on going anyway there's always dropouts oh, i guess it? yeah there's about 12 dropouts this year, wasn't there? Was there? Oh, man, I'll, yeah, I'll turn up next time. And yeah. another one on the Sunday. Was oh, it? yeah. <laughs> that yeah. beer-induced? <laughs> Very <think> much so. <laughs> so, Donald, you were... Uh, we've got you on for a couple of reasons, mainly Face Hammer, but you were also part of the Northern Ireland Six Nations team, both 2017 and 2018. Yeah. Um, and... Well, yeah, you, I, I played you in 2017. You played Liam in 2018, and I, I think it's, I think it's you two Scotland nil, to be honest. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, probably, uh, and probably more than that as well. If we go back to Eithred. So. Yeah, you've been playing a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So we and and uh, going forward, you've taken over from our very own John Harper as TO for Six Nations 2019. Uh, yeah. So we're going to be hosting in Wales on the 1st and 2nd of June this year in Firestorm Games. So that's, that's, that's very exciting. We'll maybe, maybe crack onto that wee bit at the end if there's time. Um, but really, why we've got you on, uh, we really want to hear about your Face Hammer GT 2018 and, spoiler alert, how, how well you did. Um, now, you, <laughs> double spoiler alert, you're not the winner. Um, you're you're very close. Uh, however, uh, the winner is one of your compatriots, Colin Cochran. Yeah, um, he's been doing pretty well, uh, and he's off doing every other podcast. I think it's on Twitter just now. So we've we've gone for the real star of the show. Uh, well, the, the one who doesn't use a crutch army. Exactly, the non-daughters player. Yeah, you're like my hero. 
I mean, we, we've been lamenting how crap destruction are up here for ages, and then you're just kind of blowing everything out of the water at the minute, really, aren't you? So we need a bit of chat. <laughs> we need some remember, we need some the TGA says it's not a real event because Sedfarm weren't in the top ten. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, a soft one. Narrative, narrative event. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that's what the Facehammer guys pride, pride themselves on, right? <laughs> that's it. Being fluffy gamers. <laughs> so, uh, we're, we're very happy. You're, you're the real story of Facehammer. Um, <laughs> so, good uh, to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe, maybe give us a quick intro to yourself, um, in the hobby, AOS, etc., and then we'll, we'll, we'll crack on from there. Cool. So, I've been playing, um, I guess, fantasy in the last um, in AOS and, and 8th edition since for probably the last 6 or 7 years I had a break when I was a kid and then came back to it um, and then when a, when 8th edition sort of disappeared and AOS dropped I was in Asia at the time so I didn't have the rage quit that, that everyone else had I just had the I don't have anyone to play with and you guys all suck over in the UK for complaining um, it, it's a lot different whenever you have no opponents so I came back um, about two years ago and I've been playing back in the tournament scene ever since. Um, primarily destruction. Uh, part of that's due to um, I'm quite a or I was quite a slow painter for a long time, and then I used to play ogres a, um, a lot back in eighth edition and started playing beast claw raiders and and gut busters initially, and then eventually moved on to grots, which are are definitely my most recent recent passion. Um, and so that's been it. I've been playing Moonclan Grots almost exclusively for the last 10 months and decided to up my game a bit and go mixed destruction just because it is it is probably better than pure Moonclan. Um, and that was the first time I've ran the mixed destruction. I played Bobo for AOS 2 mixed destruction and then Face Hammer um, this past weekend. Good stuff, good stuff. So you've been, you mentioned Bobo there, have you been to many other sort of big events down south? Obviously you're you're not based in Northern Ireland just now, are you? So. Yeah, so I'm based in London. So for AOS 2, um, it's just been Bobo and Facehammer. Face I did the LGT um, with a pure Moonclan list. Um, and I've done Blackout in previous years. Not not this year, but um, I try to go to one every two to three months, depending on, on life and what's going on. So um, usually one or two, um, I guess one or two quarters is the usual target. Cool. So you're part of the um, the big club down in London, is it Angel? Yeah, so we're actually not, like size-wise, we're probably one of the smaller ones. Um, we just have a lot of people on the scene who are quite active, go to tournaments. So there's a separate Angel cast. Um, Adam, who's also in Hard Six, does that. And a few other guys who are kind of more actively involved and go to tournaments quite a lot. So it's it's a relatively small club. There's It's probably about 15 active players. Um, or 10 or 15 active players compared to there's another huge club with about um, 100 who probably turn up every every week in, on a Wednesday right, down yeah. in Bethnal Green. Uh, it's Bethnal Green, but it, they do all mixed systems rather than just AOS. Um, right. And we're based out, out in Hackney Wick near the Olympic Stadium, which is right beside where the LGT was this year. Ah, cool. So it was, it was quite interesting, the LGT, LGT for, for, for several reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was it had its own joys, I guess, for running. I definitely wouldn't um, have anything bad to say from the AOS standpoint. It yeah. was just a, a general organisation issue. 
um, which the TO, um, so it was Tom Lyne, who's Welsh yeah. team captain, who's running it, couldn't really do anything about. Um, so hopefully that will be fixed next year or, or we'll have some sort of London event uh, to go to. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really bold, um, really bold move by Tom. Yeah. Such a big venue and uh, straight in with both feet, so to speak. Yeah, well, I, I don't think he had, he didn't get too involved in the actual organisation of the, the wider event. That was another guy, Zach. Um, ah, okay. and, um, so Tom just handled the AOS side. And that was pretty smoothly run, but all he had to do was worry about the specific room and uh, and the terrain part of that. And it was okay. The terrain for AOS was fine. The 40k terrain had had some of its own issues, I guess. But yeah, um, <laughs> the internet heard about that. Exactly. Probably no need to go too deep into that. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll leave that. Um, but yeah, so I ran Moonclan there and had four wins, which was pretty oh, wow. um, decent. I uh, played Vanguard Wing when it was strong. Um, and managed to beat it, which was always a joy. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I've had a good win with win versus Vanguard ring, wing with uh, the Moon Clan. Is that just clogging up the board, I guess, is it? Or? Um, yeah, and to be honest, people, I, I, <laughs> I think a lot of these lists, uh, and I, I said it in TGA today, but I think a lot of people play these lists and expect to do well without having played them before. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you know how to play against them, it's uh, it's possible to beat them. Uh, but for for Firestorm or for LGT, I had the Firestorm Allegiance, so I managed to redeploy my sixty Groths before uh, the start of the game, and I just clogged up the board, so he was stuck in the back, um, and I was controlling about two thirds of the board space before the game started. Nice, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Cool. So, so you mentioned uh, briefly Tom and the Angel crowd. Uh, now they had quite a, a presence at Six Nations this year up in up in Scotland, um, forming most of Team Wales. Probably was it? Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a few of it. So Matt and Adam from Angel, Tom from Angel, although he is Welsh, and then there's a couple of other English B team or um, <laughs> good good English players, but. Um, Definitely not Welsh. Uh, that's all right. Uh, We're not judging them. Uh, and they'll be going over to Northern Ireland. There's a team tournament on there early next year. So yeah. some of them will be going over. Yeah, we were chatting to to Paul about that. Big Paul. Yeah. Uh, on the Saturday night. I don't know if you remember that, mind you. He was, uh, he'd was had a few by then. but <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. It was, uh, not the best representation for that uh, that event, but... The event itself will be pretty good, I think. Yeah, it sounds brilliant. It sounds brilliant. Um, so just quickly on Six Nations 2018 this year, um, you you had a little bit of uh, notoriety in that, at the event um, for, for, for for well one main reason, and that was uh, the pre FEQ AOS two. <laughs> yeah, so uh, back in the de- the good old days of uh, command point stacking. <laughs> back um, in the good old week. <laughs> yeah, yeah that. A very brief hiatus. So, I think when when the article dropped um, saying that you could stack command points and they gave very specific examples of, of what you could do, um, my immediate thought was, okay, well, double damage on Groth sounds amazing, especially when it becomes exponential. So, um, I think that week I kind of contacted John to ask him about it. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, this is clearly in the rules unless they stop it. 
Um, and um, I guess after a bit of back and forth between different people, he he said it was going to be allowed. Um, and it, I think that was quite public in the in the captain's chat leading up to it. Uh, yeah, but there was yeah. only really going to be one player going to be taking the enough or who had enough grots ready to yeah. take advantage <laughs> of it. I think we knew who it would be. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I was able to. The grot rule for anyone who wasn't isn't aware of it. Um, at the time, you could double damage on a wound roll of a six, but then grots get plus one or plus two to roll if you're uh, to wound rolls if you're above thirty. Um, so it meant you were doing double damage on a four plus, and then if you're stacking that, you went from damage one to damage two to damage four to damage eight, sixteen, thirty-two, and I got up to sixty-four. Um, uh, <laughs> which which went well, so so I played Liam, and uh, uh, Liam had his uh, good command point stacking on his playgrounds, where he did plus one attack, he killed some, some grots, and then I retaliated and killed nine playgrounds and 30 plague bears with, uh, with one unit in one combat, so <laughs> that was pretty excellent, and then the next day, I was playing ogres and managed to kill nine iron guts and nine ogres with um, one unit of Grotz with a Grot Nether champion doing 192 damage himself. So, <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, and the only reason I knew it was him was I rolled a dice separate for him because he hits, he, he rolls better to hit, and it just happened that his three hits and wounds went through, and I got the guy to roll separate. And it, I don't actually know how much damage that unit did. Um, it was just about that hero that day, so. Um, I framed him as a, as a character, so. <laughs> So you didn't have that many command points in your list, though, did you, to start with? Uh, no, I think I had two to start with. Um, yeah, so there's a bit of skill in the list still. You've got to build them up. Um, <laughs> You've got yeah, to roll some dice. You, you build them up for a turn, and I, I had the command artifact that um, if you spend oh, a command yeah, point, okay. you get get one back on a five up. Um, with the sort of idea that damage eight grass is probably sufficient for most things. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, was, it was mainly about trying to get that back, and I think I rolled a couple well. Um, and it was still very early days in AOS, so I didn't. I think that was the the tournament that taught me how important command points were, other than the silly um, stacking, but just for inspiring presence. Yeah. Um, I think the game is is a lot more nuanced than it was before. Yeah, um, that's something I, I I used for the first time at the weekend. There was command points for, uh, well, for for whatever I wanted to use them for, but they, they were most important for for inspiring presence actually. Um, Save me in save me in game five for sure, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. It's a real danger, isn't it, if you go into yeah. a game and you you've not got initiative and you've got no command points in the bank because you're just asking to get alpha strike, really, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, especially I think when you're running low bravery, high um, or low uh, wound mo- or low wound models. Yeah. So if I get alpha strike, um, I often. If I didn't have the command point in the back, um, in the back, I would very easily lose a unit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got we've got a, a tournament coming up next week, and you know, it's it's the first thing you look at your opponent. We've had it drawn already. You've got somebody with I don't know three units of thirty witch elves, like I might have to go up again. <laughs> but but you've got the drop on them, and you're gonna get an alpha strike on them before. Uh, before they get to go, and you've got to try and add up quickly. Oh, what damage can I do before they can actually uh, start, start getting some command points? So yeah, it's uh, it's really important, and it's uh, it's not till you play it and and, and suffer <laughs> uh, that you realise. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and so at the minute my list just has one command point, and I think that's, I haven't really missed having more. Um, I think the more I play the game, the more I know when I should burn it and when I shouldn't. So I play, definitely played a few games as practices, and I was, I was burning command points early when maybe I lost four or five grots, and I was like, okay, I, I don't want to lose another five. Um, but really, it's about it's about timing it and knowing how the, the next combat's going to go, or if you lose priority and you suddenly have none in the bank. That um, timing it, I think, is the is the key to um, doing well with hordes and larger units. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of command points and the upcoming tournament, you, you may not have seen it on, on Twitter or whatever, but we've got a, a list up here one of Liam's good pals from Aberdeen who's running a, a seven command point, I think it is, sure heart list. Oh, no. oh is this the, the Kevin Lowe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. He's a dirty man. <laughs> we'll, see how, we'll see how that goes. Well, we've been told it's not good by Twitter already. So it's <laughs> yeah. You've yeah, already congratulating on winning the event, but well, I, I we'll saw Nico, Nico saying that uh, it wasn't wasn't particularly good. So, I mean, I th- I think he has two units of evocators or evocators, yeah. whatever whatever you call them. Um, I think that's that's what makes his list stronger. Not that he's not just relying on on one unit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've played against the leader, haven't you? I I've said to him privately. I think he's got the event as long as he doesn't ball up a bad game. The, all the free missions serve him well as well. Are, are the missions public? Yeah, m- missions are public. So we've got Blooding Blood Glory for Game 1, uh, Star Strike for Game 2, and Relocation Orb is Game 3. Okay. So it really, it really doesn't have a weakness. Yeah. They weren't drawn until after lists were submitted, yeah, though. Yeah, so, lists were so submitted. He, he has fallen quite lucky. You should definitely have just... Um, Put in um, total commitment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually quite enjoy that mission with the short heart list because it just means your opponent's not got anything to drop. You can still stack the as long as you're within twelve, you'll still stack the charge roll. Yeah, that's true. Um, unless they have fanatics, which <laughs> I had I had against my uh, stormcast opponent in that mission. Good stuff. Well, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll move on to to your list then for for Facehammer. Just quickly run us through it and why you chose kind of what you chose and what your thinking was. Yeah, so it was a destruction um, army. So my general was the Fungoid Cave Shaman with Bellowing Tyrant, which is plus one to charge and plus one to run. It also makes my um, my whoever he puts that on, you have to use his leadership. So my Frost Lord was often leadership or bravery four. Um, which is fantastic. <laughs> and then uh, Chagraf Hag, uh, who just comes as she is, and a uh, Moonclan Grot Shaman. The Frost Lord had the Thermal Rider Cloak, so he flew and had plus four movement, which was, was massive in the game. Um, and I'll, I'll speak about why I chose that in a second. Then then my battle line was 60 Gro- Moonclan Grots with spears and shields, 40 and 20. And then two units of three Fanatics, and I picked up Geminids as well. Um, so the reason I picked uh, the Fungoid Cave Shaman was the general was because his command ability, which allows a unit to, of Grots to retreat um, or charge um, or re- run and charge um, if you're within 18 inches, has often won me um, probably one game on average in the last couple of tournaments. Um, it's such a, a massive command ability. 
Uh, and you can only get that if he's the general, so that's why the Fungoi Cave Shaman's the general. Um, I put Bellowing Tyrant on him because I wanted the Frost Lord to be able to reliably um, get it wherever he wanted, so um, having the plus one to run and plus one to charge is massive. And then the Frost Lord, uh, I was kind of umming and eyeing between whether or not I give him the Rend, so ignore Rend, or the Thermal Rider Cloak, and I decided on the Thermal Rider Cloak just because the amount of chaff out there, um, I wanted to be able to hop over lines. I don't yeah. think I missed the, the rend at all, um, because he's so fast. You just don't put him into anything that's going to rend you back. Um, so he starts out movement 12 basic, then plus 4 because of the, the cloak, um, flying, and then often having plus 1 on the charge because of Bellowing Tyrant, especially in turn 1, meant that he was moving at least 18 inches, um, and potentially then um, running or running as well and charging. So, um, so it was a really useful um, ability. Uh, and then the Hag is mainly in the list because she's uh, quite a tanky model, and I, I love the the model. I think it's it's yeah, something that's underused. Um, yeah, it's a cracking model. And then in terms of the way the list works, is it's very points. It's very denial. So. The grots run up the board, and most people look at 120 grots and say, oh, I can't kill 120 grots. And then when they start trying to attack them, and you've got the hag spell, which is minus one to hit and minus one save. You've got the geminids off, and then you've got netters. So you have potentially minus three to hit on grots, and then they really realize, oh, sugar, I can't. Um, I really can't kill 120 grots when you're, when you're only hitting on sixes. Um, so that's the, that's the idea behind the list, with uh, the fanatics protecting the grots from the turn one charge, especially the alpha strike before I have my um, debuffs in place. Yeah. So the, I think I have nine drops, so I often don't get to pick. Um, I'm usually assuming I'm going second, um, and that's where the fanatics come into their own. Um, and also that 20-man unit is a great unit for screening and psyching out my opponents. So um, I rarely will put it into the unit of 20. I sometimes do. But I often place the unit of 20 as if they have uh, the fanatics, and that's often enough to kind of <laughs> throw my opponent off. Then they charge into the unit of um, 20, and then I've got sort of the two big units that are floating around. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds horrible. Um, uh, it, it really is. I think I think people see the list and don't appreciate how bad it's going to be, and then they're like, oh, no, this yeah, is no. dreadful, which explains why I didn't get any sports votes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it might be something to look at in the future. <laughs> it's crucial in the end. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, Geminids, you kind of explained. So I was going to ask you, but you've kind of made it clear now it was extra minus to hit. That's why they were there. I wasn't sure if it was just to make up some points or um, or what. But I, I had it on my list, but that, to be honest, it was to kind of just make up a bit of points and test them out, really. I, I never really used them that much. Um, uh, I, I used them... Um, so. I guess I, I, I started off, as I said earlier, I did Moon Clan, and I used to run Moon Clan with um, artillery and four rock lobbers, but post AOS 2 and the lookout series, I've dropped the rock lobbers because they're just not worth 100 points anymore. Yeah. Um, they used to be great where on a roll of a six, you used to get an extra hit, but with characters having minus one to hit and them ne never being great, very reliable anyway, um, I, I tend to, or I decided to pick up the hag. That's when I started doing this debuffing sort of um, idea, and then when the Geminids came out, I was just like, "That's a, it's a perfect synergy with the list." Um, combined with the Netters um, and then the Geminids, it's just a, it's a really nice combo. But um, 
because I'm using Geminids, then I take the moon, both of the different shamans. So I've got the moon clan shaman who usually casts it because he gets plus two if he eats a mushroom. And then if he fails it, the fungoid will do his re-rolling casting attempts, which is once a game. So I've kind of built up both of them because I think they work quite well together. Uh, nice, uh, nice. Um, and the Geminids have kind of gradually become better at, over the last, I guess, two events that I've been to. Yeah. Um, because the Groths don't do any damage anyway. Um, so I don't care if, if my opponent puts the Geminids back on my Groths because it's just like, okay, that's another 70 or 80 attacks that aren't going to do anything anyway. Um, yeah. As long as I keep it away from my, um, from my ha- uh, Troll Hag and my. Uh, Frostlord, then I'm pretty comfortable with with having it quite close to my line, so that by the time the opponent comes in, he knows that, or he or she knows that they're going to have um, Geminids to the face after. Yeah, yeah, cool, good stuff, um, <coughs> great stuff. Right, well, we'll just go quickly onto your games then. So, um, straight into was this your, was this your first face hammer, by the way? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's the last couple of years. Had, had you been up to the Element Games before? No, I've just heard really good things. Yeah. Um, so I was excited to see what it was like, and uh, I definitely was not disappointed. No, it was it was awesome. That <laughs> was, <laughs> was our first time too, and even just strolling around the store was like it was like being in the B and Q of kind of Warhammer. You know, there was uh, <laughs> floor to ceiling boxes of of good good stuff. Yeah, it was incredible. The the worst part of it was the the beast sort of table that was. Um, <laughs> Just staring at me every time I walked past, and I was like, yeah. "I really want to buy this. Um, I must avoid." So, managed to not pick anything up, which I think is a, an achievement in itself. Oh, well done, well done. I, I left with some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, game one on the the Saturday morning, um, the announced was uh, Border War. So this was back to the first handbook, and it was set in the realm of Death Shaish. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of that? Uh, so it was nice to play Border War again. Uh, I quite quite enjoyed it as a as a scenario. And so I think that the, having that, the 18 scenarios, they probably should have added just a little bit more time to, for everyone to figure out yeah. what was going on. Um, I think it was early enough in the... Um, it's early enough in the year that every, not everyone's refreshed on what the all the 18 are. Um, so it probably needed about 10 minutes just to figure out, okay, how do you score points and then agree yeah. with your opponents as well? Like, yeah. So that um, I hate any game where you're playing two different games. Um, and I think that the way AOS 2 now is, and a lot of things are standardized of how to point score, makes that a lot lot easier for just confirming it and making sure he, he knows how I'm going to play and I know how yeah. he's going to play. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was, it was like, I agree with you, I think it was, we ran out of time. I ran out of time game one, definitely. Um, and we, we were both a bit rusty. And um, it was... I remember looking at the clock thinking, oh, God, we haven't really started yet. It was almost almost 30 minutes on the clock, you know? So Yeah, and um, especially Friday beers and well, that everything was else. Um, <laughs> it was a bit slower. Yeah, I um, I ended up getting up early and going for a run on Saturday. So that um, made me a bit fresher, I think, than I should have been. It's <laughs> all proud of myself. But um, <laughs> so... So the first game I had was against the Dreadwood Wargrove uh, list with uh, Dorothy and four Colonel Hunters, cool. um, which was uh, interesting. Um, so he he had two two units with scythes and two units with swords, and then just uh, spite revenants and branch wraiths. Um, he took turn one, 
um, claimed the objectives, but he just didn't have enough bodies to um, really contest over the long term. Um, I lured in Durthur with my troll hag um, and um, managed to tie him up with fanatics, and then troll hag just vomited on him and, and kind of um, took out one flank with him and or her and the uh, the grots, and then the frost lord took out the other colonel hunters, and just it was a um, pretty quickly game over. Uh, opponent was great. I played him before um, in Blackout, I think it was, when he was playing Bone Splitters, or it might have been Clash a few years ago. Um, but uh, it was, I think it was just a tough sort of matchup. He didn't get roll high enough on the Dreadwood um, at the start of the game, so it was going to be either run Dirt through forward or, or kind of hold off. And I think he realised he needed to get up early to try to score because yeah. he just didn't have the bodies to contest with Magrots and. Once Dorothy was dead, there just wasn't enough in the list for, for me to, to try to compete. Um, I think the highlight was I had one unit, one Grot who had managed to survive Kernet Hunters for um, four or five turns. Like the, the unit of 40 went down to one guy. And I just threw, um, and he was in, co- the Kernet Hunter was in combat with the Troll Hag, but the Troll Hag was whiffing. So I just threw the, the Grot into the Kernet Hunter to let the guy um, score a point. Because <laughs> it was pretty depressing to only score Fanatics against me. Gustafsson, <laughs> um, so that was a, a Dreadwood without a Lariel. You don't see that very often, do you? No, agreed. Um, and uh, it just wasn't. I think it was supposed to be more combaty, but I think he relies too much on on that role at the start to try to ambush and, and yeah. drop in. And once he didn't get that, it was just. Um, I think it was always going to be that uphill battle uh, and, and trying to get through 120 grots with. Um, negatives to hit means the sword hunt, or the the colonel hunters are just going to whiff back at him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I needed to rely on the frost lord and the hag to take them off over the game, but um, which they did do. Um, but even then, I think it would have been just quite difficult for him to score. So did you? Uh, so this was in the realm of death. Did you? Did you guys use anything on the, uh, the extra we, <laughs> realm I, rules? I think, no, I think we. Um, I think we kind of forgot about it. I don't think yeah. um, the sinister. Because uh, I, I kind of forgot about it until afterwards, but there wasn't a lot of battle shock anyway. Yeah. In the game, uh, so it was kind of there's only one unit really of of um, grots in combat, maybe at a time. Um, but there just wasn't, um, I tended to use Inspiring Presence anyway. And then I don't think we used to spell at all. So this was Paul of Doom, blah, blah, blah. I cast it a six, uh, subtract two from Bravery. So it's pretty interesting, especially when you've got the, like you say, everything was sinister as well as being whatever you'd rolled for on the, on the table. Um, and, and the, what was it, the command ability? I'm just looking at the page here. This was the one that you could, uh, sort of use a unit as a wound pool for your general. Ah, yeah, so my fungoid didn't get attacked at all, so that, that probably helped. Yeah. And then I think I think my troll hag had managed to kill Zerthu before uh, before he uh, had time to do anything. So I don't think I, I think it was the I don't think the the realms really came into my games at the start. Um, probably the last game was the big use of the realm rules. What What do you think of them in general in the in tournaments and? Um, the I, think being used. It, I think it's interesting. I like the realmscape idea. Um, I think terrain in general has become really uninteresting, except for Citadel Woods. Um, like in terms of myst- mystical is useful, but uh, deadly and damn just aren't worth being on the table anymore. Yeah, the big changes there, aren't they? Yeah. So, so I think I think from that point perspective, 
um, I tend to just ignore them. Um, I mean, damned having re-rolls to ones to hit are just not really... Maybe I would be tempted to take it on my grots, but they tend to not do anything, and I want to avoid rolling many attacks with them anyway. So having to re-roll ones is probably less interesting. Yeah. Um, and so many combat things out there have re-rolls to hit anyway. Um, so I don't know. Uh, what about yourselves? Do you think... Uh, do you use them much, or how do you find them? Well, we've only had one event, really, um, since it's it's kind of all settled down, and that was that was Stu's event a few weeks ago, um, where you did your own little take on it. Yeah, we, I, it was a bit too soon. I was finalising the pack, and it only just dropped, and I wasn't sure. I still saw them as a bit of a narrative thing for for open play stuff, <coughs> and. Um, we did want. I did want to include them at first. Uh, in the first draft of the pack, I had um, it set in the realm of life on day one, and then death on day two. And then I just saw that you could potentially end up with wildwoods popping up or or whatnot. And I just thought, oh, hang on a minute, I don't think I'm ready for this. I'll wait and see how other people do it. So I just let people uh, choose a realm spell uh, for each of the wizards from Malign Sorcery, just to give the their army a bit of flavour. Um, but it ended up with half of the armies having Inferno Blades and uh, <laughs> Stoke Rage. But there you go. Yeah, um, I think there's there's a lot of variety. They add a lot of variety to how you want to play. So the way Angel Core done it, which is my local club, um, you can only use the command ability if you're from that realm. Okay. Um, and it just adds it, and the realms that are going to be used are released before. So um, it just adds another dimension to list building. If you know that, okay, if I'm from this realm, then I can use this command ability. Um, and then the realm spell uh, that are in the core book, which is the ones we use to face hammer, are still open for anyone to, to use. Oh, okay. yeah, that's a good touch. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's I think it's quite powerful um, from that perspective. Although, um, Gur, as a, as a realm, is never going to get a lot of love because no one wants to take an extra monster. So. No. Well, we're. we're oh, I'm, uh, is it just me who's going? No, no, Liam, you're coming. No, Nathan, you're, you're coming to Agom. Um, Agom, yeah. And Kendall, and what, that's that, uh, a month away or something, and that's. Uh, they're, they're going straight out of the book, so um, pack your monsters for that one. Oh, we'll really? See, we'll see how it goes, yeah. If, if, if they roll it, and I suspect they will. <laughs> if I know that's, Adam. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to dig out my Gorgon and my Chimera and uh, have some fun. I really want to pick up a Magma Dragon, and I think that's the excuse that I need. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You've got to be willing to have something that's going to potentially tear through your own army, though, don't you? I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That, that's, when fanatics, that's when fanatics are really useful. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the Magma Dragon is great, because uh, when you do wounds to it, then it, it vomits you back, but my grass never do any bloody wounds, so <laughs> that's, that's fine for me. Perfect. <laughs> It rates itself. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that was my that was my first game. Um, so that was a major win. Yes, a uh, major win, and because he su- summoned some dryads, um, I managed to pick up. I think it was two hundred two thousand and twenty points or something. So nice. um, it was it was pretty good. He had uh, some cogs in there as well, I think, but obviously I didn't score them. So yeah, um, yep. it was a pretty. It was a pretty solid victory. I think um, the opponent, my, my opponent, Will was was lovely to play against. He um, it only started playing the Sylvaness, so he was still quite um, fresh on it. 
and he'd been playing Destruction before, so we've got to give him some love for that. <laughs> give him a few lessons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great. So game two, you must have been pretty high up then on the on the table numbers then. Uh, yeah. So two. I was game table three, and I was like, oh dear, I really don't. I was kind of worried at the time. I was like, I think I've ran too high, and now I'm going to be against um, daughters or or sure charge. <laughs> um, but I managed to play Matt Lyons from Pro oh, the Podcast. Nice, 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 nice. So this was uh, uh, game two was focal points in the realm of Akshay. Um, yes. So this, I think, what, what did they use here? It was the um, realm. You could pick a a piece of terrain and. Yeah, so this was, uh, what is it, Cloud cloud of Smoke and Steam was the Realmscape, which is the one where uh, if you, a model cannot see another model if a straight yes. line drawn from the centre of its base to the centre of a, the other model's base passes across a terrain feature other than open ground. <laughs> this was ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, quite powerful. Yeah, so so his list um, was a Lord of Change uh, with Griff Feather charm. Uh, six Skyfire, six Enlightened, some Horrors, Karak Acolytes, a Zangor Shaman, and uh, and uh, Ogroid. So oh, yeah. uh, it, was a, it was a really fun, balanced list, but I was somewhat happy by the uh, Clouds of Smoke and Mirrors, because the Skyfires, if they can't see, yeah. are a, <laughs> a lot better. Um, um, but I wanted to play Matt for a long time, so it was great to finally have a table with or be on the on the table with him. Um, yeah. His list is, is cheaper now with Beasts by about 180 points, and I didn't feel like his list was lacking that much. So I think that's definitely an army to watch out for um, coming up. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a cracking looking army as well. Obviously, he's, he knows what he's doing with a paintbrush. Yes, yeah, it's, it's lovely. All his stuff is, is great, and the tokens that he do, does is uh, is fantastic. So he managed to sell me some uh, <laughs> command points while I was on the table. Um, <laughs> so so at Six Nations, he did the combat gauges for us. So I think we gave all our opponents some combat gauges, um, and he had turned those around in about two weeks, um, and some nine-inch measuring sticks. So I highly recommend him for for that if you're if you're just wanting some tokens for a new army. Yes. Uh, he's, got some, um, he's, got, he's got some graphics in from us so that we can do some Northern Invasion uh, podcast uh, measuring sticks and things. So, yeah, we're on the bandwagon as well. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, did, so... Did you so strike him down with his own command point tokens? Uh, I did. Um, Good. He, he took first first turn, charged the Skyfires and Enlightened. He, he kind of was gaming me up at the start, and I forgot how reliant they both are on the, um, on the Shaman. Um, so... Uh, he charged them both, or he he put them right beside my unit of grots, um, and to charge them both in and just to destroy a unit. Uh, but he, I kind of charged, it, or I counter charged with my fanatics into the skyfires, but also just tagged in the enlightened, so they're within three inches and they can't counter charge, or they can't charge rather. Then in combat, he decided to attack the sky or the skyfires into the fanatics. I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll take off the fanatics. It's it's grand. Um, and then he he was like, oh well, I'm going to move in my. Um, and then it was my turn for for combat, so I moved in my grots into the enlightened. Or sorry, into the skyfires, but kept him outside of three from the enlightened. 
And then he went to move in as enlightened, and I'm like, mate, they're not in combat. And he was like, oh, no, why did I attack the fanatics? And I'm like, your choice. So <laughs> I, I just he he had forgotten the way they work, and, and the fanatics just end up tagging them into combat. Once the fanatics got die, they're outside of three, so yeah. so they can't um, charge, and the enlightened really struggle um, if they if they don't get in. So I think that helped me a lot. Uh, then I then I managed to kill the skyfires with my frost lord, um, and then the game was it was it was I think it was almost over then. Um, although he he played really well to claw back. Um, he kept my um, Frost Lord preoccupied with the Enlightened. Um, I ended up failing my charge from the Frost Lord into the Enlightened um, because my uh, Troll Hag ended up vomiting on them because of the uh, Clouds of Smoke and Mirror. He couldn't um, he couldn't uh, target the Horrors, uh, so he, my Frost Lord ended up failing the charge and um, ended up being wasted for three turns. And then my hag went into the um, horrors in the middle and uh, was just tied up with them for a few turns. We had a really interesting question of whether when the hag's in combat, can he do a shooting attack or she do a shooting attack against the horrors? Because it, the center of the base to the center of the base, if you're on terrain, does that cross the no line of sight? Mm. Um, which technically, I think, reading the rules, it does. But we asked Russ and Russ is like, no, if you're touching it's fine. But according to the center to center rule, technically if you're on a piece of terrain, that, that definitely blocks your line of sight. Uh, interesting, yeah, okay. Um, which was somewhat ridiculous, but uh, from that point on, with uh, the Enlightened and the Skyfire's gone, most of his combat punch was dead. Um, I did manage to chuck my Frost Lord into the Lord of Change and do absolutely nothing, so... Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, uh, I think the Chris Feather on him makes uh, the Lord of Change very unreliable. Or, sorry, the, the Frost Lord very unreliable. What does that one do again? I can't remember. It's the minus one to hit. So oh, okay. Definitely getting my own back on that. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't complain too much. I think the Lord of Change ended up killing them, but at that point, I was just up um, up on points um, quite a lot. So it was going to be hard for him to, to come back. Good stuff. And did you manage to get the... Do you want to get games finished generally five turns with the... With um, yeah, no, I do. I, I, I guess my deployment is massive, so so that does take me a long time because I lose the game in deployment if I rush it or if I um, make a mistake. Um, just because the, although the grots can be quite mobile, um, if you deploy them on the wrong flank or if you deploy them a little bit too far one way, they end up struggling to, to do anything for at least a turn or two. Um, so I do finish the games it just kind of takes uh, it, it always goes to the death um, so I think with that game we, we finished in plenty of time I ended up not killing anything and he wiped out most of my army okay. um, uh, but I ended up just being up uh, up and off I, I guess at that point so I can't uh, I was happy with the um, to take the win that's it play the scenario play the scenario yeah exactly and just Grind out a slow death where all my grass die. Um, <laughs> so, so that was definitely one of those games. Exactly. <laughs> so that's two major wins then. So you're, you're doing really, really well so far. Uh, yeah. And uh, look, looking around you, you can see your your countrymen are, are following you up the tables as well. I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. So so Colin was nearby, and, and Dave uh, Dave Kane wasn't far. Uh, they they were both at 
bit higher on victory points at that point. So, um, and then Laurie as well, who was my last opponent, but we've always um, been a bridesmaid to each other. So, um, <laughs> he was just two tables away. So I think uh, I was on so. table five now, um, against a Stormcast list. Good stuff. So this is to- game three with total commitment in uh, the realm of metal, Shamon. Um, which, let me just find the, the features here. So this was, uh, where we, Revelscape was Rust Plague. Uh, start your phase, roll a dice on a six plus, pick an enemy units in cover, subtract one from save rolls made for that unit for the rest of the battle. So quite a tricky one there. Um, I think that was quite tough because to be in cover, you have to be entirely within cover. Yeah. Um, so it really only affects characters and all it meant was you just don't put your characters inside a, inside cover. Yeah, and did you did you remember to roll it if you, it was if it applied because we didn't. <laughs> no, um, I almost put my grot in in a unit in in cover, and then I was like, actually, I don't want to do that. I'll just move my shaman. I'll just move him slightly beside it. So it it literally had no impact on the game, I think. Yeah. Um, and the spell didn't have any impact either. Uh, it was definitely one of those game. Uh, I think it's one of those scenarios. Sometimes you just ignore the the rule because. It's it's so hard for it to apply. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very anti-Sylvanath, I feel. Yeah. Because yeah, they're built on scenery. Yeah. They have to nasty, use the wood. Yeah, that's that's fair, actually. I hadn't... Obviously, I was, I was playing Stormcast. I was happy to be playing Stormcast in this scenario, so... Yeah, split them up. So who, who were you playing game three? Uh, so it was Kyle Edwards, um, and he was running a Celestin Prime, 20 libs... Uh, two units of five evocators and six more shard guard. Oh, um, yeah. And then some judicators and, and a few other things. But the main bulk of the list was the evocators, the the six eels, the 20 libs and um, and the Celestine Prime. Uh, so I think when he saw this, he was expecting, I kind of was speaking to him and I think he was kind of, it was definitely his best tournament performance at that point. Um and I think he was just enjoying being on the high tables. Uh, and I think he expected it to be quite a slow grind, sort of both of us kind of running towards each other or moving up. Um, and he hadn't put any... Um, he, had, he hadn't really covered his, um, his objectives very well. Um, and this was the only one of the few games that I actually got to choose who went first. I think it was the only game, actually. Um, and he had went to the, he he nipped off to the bathroom and I was just kind of looking at the table, being like, actually, um, if I use my command ability from the fungoid, I can run and charge the grots, tag a unit of um, evocators, but actually score the objective because I was just getting more bodies on it, and he hadn't had anyone to protect it. Yeah. So um, so I took first turn, um, used the command ability, charged the grots up, uh, charged the frost lord into the Salaston Prime, which was probably a mistake. In retrospect, because I think I, I probably should have just killed the um, uh, evocators, um, but I wanted to take out that threat because that range um, threat that he or th- that speed that he has, I needed to try to remove that because I needed to protect my um, characters at the back. Uh, so I killed him, tagged the objective, and I was already on sort of five in my turn. He only scored one, one in his. Counterpunch. Um, at this point, I kind of saw that actually I, I, there was opportunity for me to help him. So he was going to run his eels and, and um, 
evocators on his left flank or his um, my left flank, he was going to run them up and, and charge into my grots. And I, I just kind of explained to him, like, if, if you do this and I win the next turn, I'm going to run a unit of grots up and they're going to capture your objective. So you need to spread out to try to block me. Because it was just one of those games where I was like, I'm, I'm already up four points. Um, or I'm going to be up four points. I don't want to win this in turn two and not give him a game. So I wanted yeah. to kind of teach, I realized it was an opportunity for me to teach him some tactics. Um, so he kind of split up his force a little bit better just to try to block it off. Um, charging him my first unit of Grots, destroyed them. I won the second priority, managed to roll Rampage and Destruction, charged my unit of, uh, charged my unit of 40 into the Evocators in my hero phase. But that, that ended up allowing me to do exactly what I told him I was going to do, which is boomerang that unit to capture his objective um, and have one unit of 40 grots tagging both. So I scored, um, eight, um, is it eight in the next turn where you can score your three from your opponent and, and two? So I was yeah, already on something like yeah. 13 to his um, his two at that point. Um, so I think it was it was just an uphill battle for him to, to try to... Um, to do anything and then his liberators just spent the, the time chasing my frost lord and kind of gradually killing him um but in the center of the board so i was happy enough with that because it was just a waste of his 20 bodies which are the only things that could contest the objectives so um it was another sort of comfortable win but i came away with very few victory points again i think i only managed to kill the the eels the evocators and uh, the cells and prime um good so, yeah, result good result it was a good game, and, and I hope he enjoyed it. I think we tried to, I tried to make it as easy as possible, or not as easy as possible, but I didn't want to just, like, I wanted to win, obviously, but I didn't want to just give him a non-game and, and kind of do things that he didn't really understand. So uh, I, I think playing Moon Clan, people don't really know how to play against it. So um, this was definitely just one of those experiences where I had more experience playing against the Stormcast and he had much less playing against Destruction. Good stuff, good stuff. The, de- the destruction stuff, it's really good. I used to play destruction, and then after the absolute spanking I got at the Six Nations in a, down in Derby with my mixed destruction, I, I shifted across to death and have played them for the last year. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, people are saying that they're not in a good place, but I mean, you, you're doing all right with them, aren't you? Do you think that is just a Moon Clan thing, or do you think that there's a few more lists in there that people are just not seeing? I think there's probably a few more lists. Um, like, so Tom Loyne has been enjoying his Magma Dragons, um, which is a super fun list to play. Um, so it's three Magma Dragons, minimum uh, Oryx, and uh, two Fungoids. Yeah. Uh, and then I think Cogs as well. And a Frost... No, sorry, it's two, maybe it's two... It's two Magma Dragons and a Frost Lord, rather. Um, I think that's a really fun list to play. Um, and I think he's doing quite well with it for a reason. Um, so there's definitely lists out there, but it's it's just an uphill battle, right? So I was listening to um, a podcast today talking about how good a hag is. She's 60 points, and you get like immune to battle shock for a unit, right, of witch elves. Yeah. And I have to be 50 points less for that one turn inspiring presence. And it's just like it's not really the same thing, right? Like, uh, so I think you, I think with destruction, you just have to play it an awful lot more. Um, and I've just been dedicated to Destruction for two years, uh, playing them in different iterations, and uh, from Beast Claw Raiders, and I think Beast Claw Raiders have no hope of being competitive. Um, I think to do well with them in a tournament, you just have to get lucky that you don't play the scenarios on any Alpha Strike list, and yeah. that, 
and aiming to get lucky is not. I think there is an element of luck involved, um, but I think you, they have so many bad matchups, especially in this meta, that um, I think they'll struggle. But I'm sure there's bone splitter lists out there that can do well. Sedge did well. Ian, Sp- I think it's Ian Spink who's doing really well and stuff as well. So there's so, yeah. definitely rooms. There's definitely room for destruction, but it's if if you want to win games, I think you're better just going to order. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Order are in a really good place at the minute. And the, they always will be, right? Like, also, also something to highlight what you said there, uh, Donald, is that the people you've all mentioned have been playing those armies for so long. Like, they, you know, I mean, they know their army. That's what Ian Spink does. He's played Bonesplitters, because I played him at uh, Facehammer. He says he's been playing them for, like, 18 months. So he knows what they can do. There's no... Oh, this is in my book, sort of thing. That's what a lot of people are doing in the pong. It's obviously all these newer books that just everyone just picks up. Like you say, runs with a meta. You were saying earlier, a lot of the people probably are maybe on, maybe they're one or two games with a list when they go to, like, Face Hammer and that. And that's what's the difference of someone like yourself who's been playing the Moon Clan sort of thing for a while. You know, I mean, you've got the knowledge of Actually, no, I can't go in and hit that unit because I will fall over and die. There's that sort of things, and you know what your resilience are, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Like, the problem is for a lot of the newer, well, meta chasing is sometimes people don't, other than just a, pe- a list on a piece of paper, they don't actually know what it does on the board when dice are in effect. Yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, even between six, say, LGT, which was a couple of weeks before Six Nations, and and the Six Nations, my list didn't actually change that much. Um, I mean, there was a command point thing, but other than that, I don't think... I'm, I might have added the Fungoid. Maybe not. Um, no, I didn't add the Fungoid. Um, at that, uh, but the list itself hadn't changed much. And I think that's one of the reasons I've kind of pr- pr- productively got better. So LGT, I won four. Bobo, I won four. Um... And Face Hammer, I obviously won five. Mm. But I think that's just because, like, I'm just making small iterations to the list. So my Bobo versus um, Face Hammer list is, I, you know, added a Frost Lord instead of a Cloth. So, so I had to drop a unit of um, Grotz from 60 to 40, and I lost Shackles. But it was it's basically the same list. Yeah. It just does the same thing better. And it's making those small improvements, and you don't get to make those small improvements unless you're, you've kind of really understand what your list can do. Mm. Like you say, yeah, like a lot of people, like again, right now, a lot of people will be saying evocators are the best thing since sliced bread. I've had, I'm on 14 games with them in the last week. And I tell you, they, if they don't go in and do averages, they fall over and die. Like it's just any other unit. They only have a four of armor, they're only paladins at the end of the day. Yeah. Unless you're like castle and buffing them in staunch defender and that, they're just not as survivable as like obviously the Star Drake meta when he was kicking about in a one plus save. Yeah, and I think that's something people need to learn to adapt to. Mm. Um, and that sure charge, I think, is it's kind of like a one hit wonder. And I think yeah. what you'll see as well. People learn, like you say. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm sure people play me with it and drop the. Um, evil caters nine inches away and I'll be like cool at least you give me a shot with my fanatics instead of yeah. being 12 inches away and just you know using more command abilities yeah like if I was you if I was against you I would know from you doing it to me last time 
I would definitely just go, I'm going to go 12 inches away, and I'm going to spend the, all the point, like the three points to be plus nine. Because I mean, yeah. your fanatics are only on a, you're on a nine inch charge, rather than me having to be on a, I'll still be on a nine. Obviously, because if you move out your fanatics, or I'll be on a 12, which, yeah. I'm, with a re-roll, I'm on like, it's like a 92% pass rating, I think, on a, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I mean, I'm sure I'll play people who just won't won't do that, and mm. um, that'll be fine for me. And, and against better players, then I'll just use one unit to to screen, right? Yeah. Um, because they won't know if my fanatics are there, so I'll use a unit to screen, and then um, then when they've burnt all the command points, I'll be able to use my fanatics. So it's kind of <laughs> like um, you kind of ha- you you play the the meta game of of uh, of knowing your opponents and knowing what they should do. Um, versus what they they actually might do. Uh, the most I spent was two. I the most I would ever spend at the moment was short artist two. You go nine away, you spend two. You only need a free charge. If you're in Bexler range, which I've got on the list, you're re-rolling it anyway. Like I says, which is a ninety-two percent success rate of a getting that charge off on a nine. There's no point in as Kevin's list of spending seven command points. I played against that list, and I have had a thirty-four inch charge against it. And again, if you don't block with a proper screen like that literally covers every inch of it, you will just walk around it and hit what he wants. And that's, I'm guessing, that's what his target is to do. Yeah, that's which is thing. which is when the grots come in uh, super handy because mm. twenty grot, even twenty grots screen an awful lot of uh, board edge. Yeah. Mm. So you're saying there, uh, Donald, you've obviously used this list for ages and you've tweaked it and you've just adapted it slightly, which in a way, uh, if you're reading and reading up on all the other uh, armies that you're playing, it can be a little bit constraining because you must be seeing all other little things that don't quite fit into your list, but that you like the look of. And we're doing a thing at our next main uh, podcast next week where we've been asked to put together a list of our favourite um I don't know, Allegiance ability, um, character and artifact combos. Have you seen any any little little gold ones that obviously don't fit into your army but that you like the real look of as a build? Just um, the... I love what uh, Darren Watson was doing with Leroy Jenkins with the, the corn. Yeah. Um, oh, what was it? I can't remember the, mo- the whippy dude, was it? With yeah. With the sort of, sort of judgment. The sort of judgment, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, there's a one of our uh, local players up here has uh, has built a list around that, and I can't wait to see it on the table. Um, yeah, no, I think that that was fantastic. I'd I'd love to run that, and um, it'd be such a fun list. I think it's so it's fairly one dimensional, I guess. Um, and and if you chuck them into a horde, you won't do that much. But um, that seems that seems hugely entertaining. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing I've not really touched on at all in, in terms of destruction is Iron Jaws or Bone Splitters. So I've kind of focused on Grots and, and Ogres. Um, and I can imagine that will end up pivoting towards them if, if the Moon Clan book doesn't come out soon. So, ah, The Iron Jaws, they look amazing. The models are fantastic. Uh, it, it's a great-looking hob- hobby project. I'm not sure that they're up there. but um, I definitely think they're up there. I think... Like, yeah. Uh, definitely. Well, Domus was up there pretty much all weekend. I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. D- Domus just got a bit obsessed with kill points. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just spent the whole time just trying to be best uh, destruction uh, at Face Hammer, which was was obviously on kill points. So, um, I think I think they have potential. Um, okay. I think I think it's, but I think it's something that you need to be good with them 
and um, you need a lot of practice and, and the people who are good good with him, so Kieran Harper and uh, and uh, uh, Chris Tomlin, I guess, are, are the two. So can they take Iron Jaws Allegiance, take the fungoid as a general, but they would just lose the command trait? Is that right? Um, I don't know, actually, because it depends on whether uh, Malign Portance is actually in play. Yeah. Because uh, in theory, he can be, but... Um, you just lose the command trick because he doesn't have the Iron Jaws keyword. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I don't so, you get the, so you get that re-roll, run in charge, which would make most of their units... If you have 15 Brutes crossing the board, plus the Iron Fist, plus their destruction move, well, the Iron Jaw move, it's quite a lot. Would you need the Iron Jaw move, or do you think you'd stick with, you could stick with destruction with the run and charge? I guess you still want the Iron Jaws. You need the Iron Jaws to have them battle line. That's their yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's some, some lists out there. And even the War Boss and Wyvern, Wyvern's ability is cool, like having multiple WAs and, um, across the board. I think there's loads you can do. And, um, it just requires a lot of effort to kind of get the things right and, and get the right matchups and understanding how to how to play that. Yeah, it'd be good to see more of them on the table. Yeah, the 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 wah from the war boss and Wyvern is is great. I don't know why more people uh, um, don't use these. Yeah, no, we we really haven't seen them for a while uh, up here. I know Mike uh, Callahan. He's uh he's building an army of them at the moment and they're looking pretty nice. But, yeah, uh, the the only reason I'm not going to do them as a hobby project is because I'll stick them with my grots and and I've just got too many grots for it to be a <laughs> particularly pretty army. So um, I think I might try, I'm aiming to do Stormcast as a painting project. Um, but I'm sure if if Moon Clan come out, I'm going to be um, back to painting more mushrooms. Yeah, I'm you sure can all stick the Oric War Boss on Boar, and he has the same ability. He has the same Y ability as well, but he'd obviously be cheaper than what the War Boss the the Y one is. is. He also lets you if he's got the Y banner, he lets you reroll all wounds. Uh, oh, for really? Oric units of sixteen inches, which is I think a big thing for them because they don't really have any reroll wounds for orcs. Yeah, hits. I've written a list with that model in it for Johnny with his Iron Jaws. How much is that? Um, how much is it? 140. Oh, that's not too bad. But again, like, the high is, is 60. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just compare well, things to order. Safe, yeah. If you compare things to, yeah, the new books, definitely. The new three book, four books that were this year definitely show that these support heroes are a lot cheaper than what they've ever been before. Yeah. Hags take it to a new level, though. 60 points is ridiculous. I still think the castle being a hundred points is still really good. The hundred, the plus one save and then healing, still still available to a star deck is still so much. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's just so dep- It gets almost depressing. I I just every time I think about how easy it would be if I played order, I'm just like, well, if I ever do make that transition one day, I'm gonna smash up the scene because <laughs> I'll have such a crutch army to play. <laughs> Um, that's that's the one thing I'm kind of thinking about, <laughs> about as I play my grots. Ah well, I mean the grots are coming. I mean, do you reckon the only question really is, is it going to be just Moon Clan, or do you think there's going to be a bit more coverage in there? 
I mean, given the war bands that they've released, I think it's going to be um, sort of Moon Clan Plus. Yeah, I think um, it looks like you'll get Moon Clan Plus, kind of like with a piece of chaos. Yeah. yeah, so it'd be interesting. I'd love to see them get some decent artillery or at least improve the rules for some of the artillery. Yeah. Um, it, and again, I, I don't think actually, like, I think Doom Divers have legs. Um, fixing uh, your war machines would be the first thing as well. Yeah. yeah. Making them single wounded things. Yeah, that's the, the issue crew. with them. Although, actually, again, like, without having much. So, for, for me. I think the biggest thing I fear is is sort of those infinite range mortal wounds that people seem to have. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Star Drake and the... Plague Squall uh, and things like that. And yeah. Uh, but there's not that many sort of... There's not that much shooting on the, the board at the minute. And I think Doom Divers actually are pretty reasonable. Yeah, definitely uh, hit. Uh, the not hitting can also get a hit is quite amazing. I love that, I believe. Yeah, so I hit someone else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be really tempted. You know, you take those and then you you try to hit the unit of witch elves on the three up, and if you miss that, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to try to hit the character like it would have been if I tried to hit hit the character anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, or when you're targeting Marathi, you're statistically more likely to hit Marathi if you don't target her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, because <laughs> it's easier to roll a like. Um, target another character and miss with that and then on a four up hit Marathi rather than a one in six chance of actually hitting her. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, we'll see. I, I think there's just too many points um, at this point. I look at my list and um, I think I'd have to drop the troll hag to to fit in the artillery. Um, the yeah. yeah. You'd be it losing just... the hero for the missions like that are now heavy, hero heavy missions. Well, yeah, nice so there. so obviously it would have been fine for Facehammer, um, but mm-hmm. then you know I'll go to Blood and Glory and and uh, just they'll play something and I'll I'll lose the mission because of the Hag, where she's actually just an incredibly versatile um, model, I guess a utility piece in, in the army. Yeah, because um, she doesn't move up that far, and then um, she has the vomit. And that vomit tends to be on on the full wounds because she gets d6 back a turn. So that's you, isn't it, Scott? Hello, hello, hello. What if you, if you were carrying on or not? <laughs> uh, we, we were doing a, a short segue into uh, into destruction in general and and builds and the state of destruction. So we, cool. we paused on the face hammer until you got back. So that was game three. Yeah, and you're on three majors. Flying, flying nice and high. So game, so Saturday. Let's just deal with Saturday. Um, Saturday night. Did you hang around? Did you partake in any of the uh, <laughs> whatever was going on on Saturday night? Um, no. So it's actually, I think I think this was one of my more sober tournaments. I've definitely learnt not to drink spirits at a tournament, um, or at least during the day, from from prior experience. So I was feeling actually pretty fresh in the evening, and then. The Northern Irish guys insisted on going out to a pub instead of staying in Element, which I didn't understand. But um, <laughs> we had we had Indian and and some of the guys had been um, some of the lower performing person uh, decided to get very drunk uh, <laughs> and um, made a little bit of a 
a noise, I guess, when we eventually got back to Element and <laughs> yeah. um. Good for Yeah, it was it was entertaining. So, so we, I think we stayed. I obviously stayed out with you until sort of the end, but I, I was relatively um, well behaved and, and sober. Um, yeah, so we so we we just kind of went and got some food and then made a way back. We we grand plans to go out for a curry and all that, but I think folk wanted to maybe hang around the the, the venue and just kind of soak it in and see what was going on. To be honest, um, and obviously Byron did a little seminar. Um, I missed cool. that. How, did, how was that? It was pretty good. I, I don't know if it was maybe similar to what he's done in the past. I'm not sure. Um, but it was a little bit of just kind of uh, painting theory in many ways. Army painting theory very quickly and a little bit of the sort of colour wheel and sh- kind of tips and tricks and shortcuts and things like that. So it was it was pretty good. I mean, it was nice to listen to for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour or something like that. I'm not sure how long he was on for, but... yeah. Um, I, I then chatted to him briefly afterwards about some random airbrush thing just to kind of pick his brain. He, was, he knows a lot about that, but it was quite cool. It was a bit disappointing that like Russ or Les or even Terry didn't get up and do something else. Maybe about maybe more a gaming side of thing, or um, or even let's he, like you made the point, Liam, about Terry being maybe well, he's one of Golden Demon now, isn't he? So he knows he knows what he's doing about uh, talking about with a paintbrush as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I picked um, Terry's brain. I think the the night before, which was was pretty good. He's um, definitely a lot more passionate about the the painting than he um, than the gaming. Anyway, yeah, I think all those guys are kind of gamed out at the minute. Yeah, or, <laughs> I saw a playtester. Yeah, I, I guess I guess a bit burned out, really. But he was uh, they had some models set up on the on the tables. It was a mixture of well, some of Terry's were there and. Other bits and pieces that have sort of been put. In, that was that, that was the open competition, of course, wasn't it? So that was um, non-gaming models from the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And there's some really cool stuff there. It's like land speeders and ATSCs, oh, yeah. weren't they? I saw that. I thought, what, what's going on here? Is that what's that account says? <laughs> um, yeah, there were some one, like beautiful models there. It was uh, I look at this and I was just like, what's the point in me even trying? Um, <laughs> It's, all, it's sometimes almost more de- demotivating than, uh, than motivating. I know, I know. That was Saturday night, I guess we, uh, we, we, had, we had a good chat Saturday night about bits and pieces and um, didn't, didn't feel too bad on Sunday morning actually, so I think I must have uh, kept, kept a lid in it as well. So Yeah, it was a good lion that we had as well, that, that definitely helped, so yeah, uh, good having the 10 o'clock start. That's definitely right, and, and just a, just across the road as well. It really helps. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> so, um, uh, g- game four was uh, total conquest. Yes, everyone loves. Um, yeah, it's 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 a great way to start the the morning of trying to figure out how to deploy. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they've kind of changed it a little bit, haven't they? They've tweaked it. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Right. So they. Um, I think it's it is much easier now. I I still feel like they probably would just be better with a diagonal setup or something. Yeah. Um. I don't think it adds enough uh, tactical depth to justify the the pain that it is. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was uh that was fun. So I was up game four, table three, I think it was uh, beside Laurie again. So we're sitting staring at each other, and I think this is our fourth or fifth tournament, uh, being on the, beside each other in game four. Um, so, and we'd kind of made a deal that whoever, like, if the other person would lose, would throw the game, um, so that we could play each other, 
But then we, we kind of equally knew that wouldn't actually happen because we'd both want to win. So um, so I was up against Alan, I can't, can't remember his surname. Um, he had legions of Nagash, which was Nagash, two necromancers, and 120 skellies. Splendid. I played him. It was horrible. <laughs> Did you play him? <laughs> yeah, he was my first game of the weekend. <laughs> How'd you find it? The fun ended as soon as that game started. Oh my god, it was horrible. <laughs> he was a lovely guy, but... Just for some perspective here, uh, Nathan's an Agash player, so uh, we've no sympathy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he handed us to my zombie dragon, and then 120 skeletons just marched across the table at me. It was fun. Yeah, so, so I kind of, I guess, um, had seen that he was going to be quite, from his deployment, he wasn't particularly aggressive with either his skellies or um, like he wasn't putting anything on the on the front of the line. Um, so I kind of view this scenario that you've got uh, the two objectives you should aim to control are the two on the right hand side and then the one on your on, on your sort of close left where you only have three inches to deploy yeah. is the one that, that's the one that swings you the scenario uh um, to, in your favour or not in your favour um, because that's the one that you can't have that much on it unless you commit your left or you commit your, your centre to um, to capture it yeah. but what you can do is steal it off your opponent for a turn or two um, so he took first turn because he had much less drops than me but he, he didn't commit on the he didn't commit to capturing sort of my top right which would have been his swingy objective with the skellies, he, he kind of just moved them up a little bit. He caught, captured his objective and on his home one, and he um, captured his sort of uh, his one on, on my left. Um, but he didn't commit enough skellies in. He only captured it with one or two. Um, and I put my unit of twenty in there um, to capture to counter capture it because he didn't commit forward. So then my turn, I, I ended up scoring four. Um, and he was only on two points. So, and then I charged my Frost Lord. He, he kind of was dangling the gash almost in front, but it wasn't going to be. It would have been enough for my Frost Lord to get into the gash, but not to finish the mortal wound charge into the gash. Um, and so I didn't want to. I potentially could have charged the gash in, but it would have been quite a long charge, and I didn't want to rely on on the Frost Lord attacks to to kill him. And although that would have swung the game massively in my favour. Um, it, it just he it wasn't uh, it wasn't an it wasn't a reliable enough charge. I think I would have needed an eight or a nine to get in. Um, so I ended up just bombing my frost lord up to the skellies that were going to start contesting my top right objective. And I think he thought that was probably a mistake. But in my head, all I wanted to do was tie up his army for as long as possible, and I score um, and I score as many uh, as long as I can. Um, and I also realised like he has so many dice to roll that um, as long as my Frost Lord can survive, I'll win by just scoring these objectives, um, the two on my right-hand side, for the rest of the game. Um, so the rest of the game was just about the points denial, trying to delay him, casting Geminids, throwing that up into him, using the Fanatics to block up uh, Nagash. Um, and he finally brought Nagash out to play, and I think if he had brought him out in turn two, um, he probably would have um, won the game, but he waited until turn four to kind of really... Um, push him and it was just too late at that point and we kind of that was the one game that we ran out of time so we only got up to turn four and I think that was the nature of having 120 skellies and 
and 120 grass because the, the skellies just you, you'd kill them and they come back and the grots just die slowly. It was the only game that I ended up with four command points um, because I didn't need them for inspiring presence. Um, and it was just, I think it was quite a, a ridiculous sort of finish. My hag charged into a unit of um, skellies just because she wanted to hold them up for a turn um, because sort of he only has three things that can capture objectives. And if my frost lord's holding up one, my hag's holding up another, then he's only got Nagash and the other unit of skellies that are free. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a, a decent scenario for me. He did have Curse of Years, um, or sorry, Hand of Dust, rather. But even though it was an old goal, the TO said that you, you had to set up the spell portal with an 18, so pretty glad that happened. Otherwise, I think it would be a much different game. Yeah, so that was the Realmscape, wasn't it? The, the, uh, was it Darkly Shaded? The maximum range of attacks or spells is 18 inches. Yes, That's which pretty, I think is, is quite a good one. Yeah, it's pretty big. I mean, it, it, it affected my uh, my army reasonably because I've got Rotigus and Festus both with the kind of unlimited range spells, so puts a cap on them. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy with that. So it was one of those games again. I think I had a grind. So um, at this stage, I've only really. Um, scored about a thousand points from the Stormcast and I guess Matt um, and two thousand from Will so I only had like four thousand odd points at this point uh, so I knew I wasn't going to win or it was unlikely I was going to win on victory points um, but I ended up winning that it was it was sort of one of those games I don't think we really would have been able to get up to turn five because the Skellies just have so many darn attacks especially when they're piling in twice and they three or four attacks each and everything else yeah, that's a lot, a lot of bodies there, like you say, a lot of dice. Yeah, just an awful lot of dice, and, and just they don't do much, but it's it's the whole grind atmosphere. So the skellies you, you kill, and then they come back, and the grots gradually die, and um, it's just a question of how quickly can the skellies kill the grots before the grots um, sort of uh, before the grots um, die, essentially. Um, and did, he have, uh, did he have Van Hills? He did multiple times. Um, yeah. The Frost Lord hung up out for for a lot of it, and it got to the point actually. So I didn't actually finish my turn four, but but um, we kind of called it because we knew nothing was going to happen. But um, I think my Frost Lord was probably going to be able to jump away and uh, capture his home objective. I think, um, or that's what I was looking to do because that plus four move, even though you go down to short, relatively short movement, but that plus four move in a run means that you can get across the board pretty quickly. Um. So, um, Van, but Van Hells is dreadful on on Skellies. It's just, <laughs> oh, never ending, never yeah. ending. <laughs> I can't, I can't complain though because my list is is equally as bad. So, <laughs> I did manage to get off. Um, there was two Geminids on the board because uh, he cast Geminids and I cast Geminids. Oh wow. Um, and uh, I didn't manage to get, but I didn't get manage to get off um, the troll hike spell at all, and I think that really hurt me in terms of slowing things down. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So that's uh, so that's four majors. Yeah. Going going really well now. So you're starting to get a taste of the. Well, like you say, you're maybe worried about victory points, but four majors. If you get a fifth, you're you're in the shout. Yeah. So um, at this point, we knew that there was the three Northern Irish guys on. On four four majors, yeah, and and, uh, and Laurie, and then um, Liam obviously had the uh, I think he had a minor win as uh, 
minor wins. So he was kind of out of the running from that perspective um, in terms of who we were going to play. Um, so I started counting up everyone's victory points because I really wanted to see how I was going to play. I was kind of happy with anyone, um, but I was really happy that, it, or especially happy that it ended up being Laurie in the uh, in the fifth game. And I think that was probably the most relaxed sort of table one and two of any GT that I know of. Really? Um, because you had like Colin and Dave who play each other a lot and, and know that it's a swingy scenario and they're kind of both happy to be there. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then Laurie and I had been wanting to play like for the last like two years, um, probably um, having spoken to each other an awful lot, gotten trains together and um, kind of been in similar communities and stuff. So um, really happy to play him. And uh, it was just one of those games that was uh, it was escalation in what was the realm? Gur. It was Gur. Um, and I think this was the big time that the 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 spell made a difference but uh, Escalation it was really his to throw away I think um, so my t- Hag and my um, General had to be uh, sorry my Hag and my Frostlord was 24 inches back He's he's got a Lariel and uh, three Karnaf Hunters in the Winterleaf formation so 70 Dryads um, what does that one do again I can't remember that one. so basically on the 6 to hit the Dryads do an additional hit right um, but it just makes them, just really makes them quite tanky. Obviously, it does. Uh, it's a six plus to hit, and then they get plus one to hit in their their combat phase. So it's a five plus to hit. Um, against me, it was less effective, I guess, because um, of the uh, the, my, the various debuffs I have. Um, but uh, it was it was an, I think it was really his to lose because he just was able to put out up his wild woods and pretty much do whatever he wanted. Um, turn one um, but then he managed to uh, he put Alario about 31 or 32 inches away from my Frostlord um, and he, he there was a piece of mystical in the middle and he put his dryads and they were initially going to sort of cover the, the objective and cover Alario but he got a bit greedy on the mystical and then ended up leaving a gap between the Karnath Hunters and the dryads it wouldn't have been enough to fit my Frost Lord's base through, but it was enough for me to get a couple more inches so that if with a couple of good rolls, or even okay rolls, I was going to be able to get into Alario with my Frost Lord. Um, so his turn one, he, he went, he moved a bunch of stuff. He, it's just a bit... I think we are having a relaxed game and he got a bit sloppy. Um, we had a bit of a, a, a eyeball off over what he should what he should do with Alario's shooting attack. So he was like, oh, there's no point in shooting the hide because she'll just heal it. The Frost Lord has it. Um, should I target the Fungoid or the, the Moonfan Shaman? So the Fungoid's minus two to hit the, the Moonfan's only minus one. And I was like, oh, the Moonfan Shaman, it's not, not that good. Knowing fine rightly that it wins me like one or two games. Um, <laughs> so so he targeted Moonfan Shaman, but only did two wounds to it, thankfully. Nice. Um, or sorry, the Fungoid Shaman, rather. Um, only did two wounds. And then my turn... I roll a four up on the rampage in destruction for the general, which meant my uh, frost lord moves six inches forward. I put on bellowing tyrant, so it had plus one to run and charge. Cast the gur spell, so it was plus two to run and charge. Um, and then did a few other things in my hero phase. Failed to get geminids off, but um, he he went away to the bathroom. He's like, oh, I'll trust your movement. Like I don't I don't mind. Um, so I, I rolled my run 
with no one watching this, um, for my stone stonehorn, I roll a two. I'm like, oh shit! Like it's it's probably not enough to get uh, through to Lario. I do the measurements, and I'm actually I was like, actually, I don't need to run because I'm just with the plus two and the plus one and the movement sixteen. I don't like I can only move seventeen inches anyway to to the, get to the point that I needed to get. So it was it was fine. Um, <laughs> But I ended up being needing like a five or a six on, on the Frost Lord uh, on the dice roll um, with the plus three on the charge. And I got into Elario, did five wounds on her, then killed her in combat. And it was just kind of like he he was just so upset wow. with with his uh, – it was just a sloppy positioning um, that he, he definitely wouldn't do usually. Um, and I think he just didn't see it because it was so far away. Yeah. But, um, but it really wasn't that much extra distance because I got the, the six inches, which, you know, statistically I should get anyway because I've got two six-ups to get it and a four-up. Um, and then with the running, I think I, I think I probably would have just changed it to a six if I hadn't have got that six-inch yeah, hero move. Yeah, I was going to say, you command points sitting there, isn't it, turn one? So. Yeah, and, and <clears> he <throat> he also made the mistake of not summoning with Ilario turn one um, because, he, because Ilario was so far away. He was like, oh, someone with with her turn two and then i was just when i saw it we, we had this discussion because i couldn't decide whether he was baiting me for the sake of it because he thought alario would survive and then kill the frost lord and he'd win the game um and i couldn't figure out if he was trying to bait me or not so <laughs> i was like i ran the frost lord up and I, I was like i don't know if i want to do this so i rolled the dice and i managed to get in and i was like fine i'm gonna it's it's table two there's no point in holding back because i'll end up in you know i'll end up in 10th worst case scenario or whatever yeah um and i'll potentially win or, or come second so um uh ended up killing her and it was kind of like it was that point it was probably game over because uh the dryads are on bigger bases than the moon clan grots um, we're both just going to like whiff against each other forever um, but at that point i had a frost lord he only had current hunters i had my hag um and i just had enough bodies to to um do it. We played out till turn three, and he was just like, "I don't, I don't want to play anymore." Uh, like, I, we we had a discussion over, okay, what could, what, how, whether my army could kill all his in time, um, because I don't think it was a question over whether, um, whether I would win. It was just a question of, okay, can I kill the battalion, and can I, which really came down to, um, me running my forty grots with the command ability from the general, to then. Uh, boomeranging into the fanatics into 10 dryads and then rolling whether or not those fanatics killed the dryads which they they would have so we just did a couple of those rolls um, to decide whether or not i could i could have cleared the um the objective and, and we called it a day but it was a great last game and laurie's such a, a an amazing opponent um and he's i think sylvaneth really suits him as a as a person because he's a teacher so he's constantly explaining what he's doing and with sylvaneth there's just so many rules that you're like i don't you know what are yeah, you doing here uh, and, and i kept on asking him like what are you doing and he would just like be casual to explain it and it wasn't like i was, I was questioning what he was doing it was just like i, I always want to learn what what's happening so that if my opponents in the future do it i understand yeah um and and he's just such a nice guy to play and his list was quite fun it was kind of the similar version of mine but, but probably arguably more maneuverable um and i think just that one mistake um cost him the the game uh, good stuff. So, why, uh, why is he called the villain? I think he just has a has a bad <laughs> reputation. Sylvaneth is a 
is a tough. I don't know if there's a, a specific story behind it, but Sylvaneth was never a a fun game to play, especially in AOS. Right. One, well, in AOS one, um, I think anything where you know you just set up things and teleport, yeah. those sort of shenanigans are are, are difficult. So he, he has a that reputation, I guess. Um, but uh, he obviously that army was daughters of Cain as well. That's also probably was helping it? that. Yeah. Yeah, although I think his heart kind of he prefers Sylvanas, so I was glad to see him rocking it back, and not just the dread dreadwood. So um, it was good. Yeah, I I ended up giving him my um, best sports, which which I'm glad because he obviously then went to, on to win that, and I, ironically stayed in third place even though he lost. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, so that seems a good point. We can quickly go through maybe the top. I don't know, we'll do the top six, shall we? Because that kind of ticks the three... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. ...three yeah. originalised, so... Uh, yeah, tell yeah, us six. about the sixth one. Tell us about the sixth one. I like one. the sixth one, especially. <laughs> the sixth one. <laughs> very, very sixth good. place. The Legion of Blood was David Kane. Yeah. From, from Northern Ireland, obviously. Um, and he was ripping it up all day, by the sounds of it. And, and pretty quickly as well. Yeah, he... Um, he killed the Seraphim player within 20 minutes. Uh, the game, game <laughs> four, table one. Um, just 20 minutes, including deployment. And that was a, that was a Bastille Dawn, or at least one Bastille Dawn in there as well. Thunder Quake for me. Yeah. 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 You, you like this, Stu. You took off one with Neferata's dagger. Oh, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Respect. Oh, just fantastic, right? Incredible. So he had, uh, well, he was four major wins and he lost on. Uh, table one last game, he had uh, 9,720 kill points, which I think that's the highest. It's got to be the highest there. It, it was the highest. He won the, um, he won the right. most kill points. That's he also right. got a, a painting nomination as well. That's right, yeah. Nice looking army. So we were, well, <laughs> those two were sitting looking at it for a long time with their phones out. So, uh, uh-huh. well, <laughs> <laughs> see it at a table up north. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't think the points counted in the end just because of, of uh, uh, he used a coffin throne for a palaquin and um, apparently that's a proxy, but um, mm-hmm. he still got the, the full painting points, which is, was fair enough. But um, I think he could have ended up um, coming third had that not been the case. And the three, uh, we, we would have loved to have all three Northern Irish players oh. as the top three. Incredible. Uh, I, I turned round on uh, yeah day two. I was I was nowhere near the top, but I had, had a quick look around and uh, there were you all in your. Uh, you could see the three t-shirts standing out, so it's like that's a great sign. And you know Liam was up there. There was a few other guys, kind of from various Six Nations teams, kicking about up the top. So it was quite a it was quite good to see. You know. Yeah, I think I asked Liam. It was like, oh, so how how does it feel to be the best Scottish, but you're worse than the third worst Irish? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> yeah, plays an Irish team for next year. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I haven't qualified for the team, so trips <laughs> on them. <laughs> fair. Definitely, definitely. So uh, that was sixth. Fifth place was Chris Tomlin with his Phoenix Temple. He he started with a loss, but then surged forward with four majors. Obviously, painting nominations helped him out there as well. So he's 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 doing well with that. Did they? Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. I, I'm not 100 percent on it. So, did they have soft scores for painting and things that the painting they, noms gave you? Ten, did they? they yeah. So, they, 
as something. It was it was forty that everyone basically got for a fully painted army. Yeah, fully painted cohesive and yeah. above average. Yeah, I think it was it was it wasn't even above average. It was just like, have you properly painted this? Not just yeah. like washed it and and sprayed it. So so actually, unfortunately, one of our guys who had four wins ended up in the like bottom half because he didn't get any painting points. Um, so we would have had another one in the top ten had he um, sort of been able to get more more points from the judges. But I guess that's a learning experience for everyone. Yeah. Um, it does make a big difference, and I can understand why they do it. I don't think I'd personally, um, I don't have a problem with it because I think everybody wants to play a nice army. So, mm. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so, if you got a nom, did you get an extra ten points? Did you? You did. Yeah. A minor yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can get a max of fifty. Okay. Yeah, and same with the sports. You had five for one sports vote, and then if you got two or more sports vote, you got another five. Yeah, you got so ten. Max yeah. 10. yeah. And then if you got best sports, it was a major win. Ah, all right. Yeah, you got yeah. so Laurie got twenty in his sports column. Jeez. Yeah, so so Laurie had three sports votes, and that meant that he went from, um, I guess he would have been a little bit lower, but he ended up staying in third place from you know losing in table two. So yeah, <laughs> it's fair play to him. Yep. So uh, fourth place was Dan Ford, Blades of Corn. You played him last game, Liam. We'll probably hear more about that when we talk about our games, but. Mm. He knows what he's doing, especially with that army. Um, <laughs> it was murder host, so yeah. Silence. <laughs> sort of one Liam, is it? Um, it was no. a sore game, but a hard game. Yeah, I can imagine. So uh, yeah, third place was Laurie, so we've heard about that. He's he's, he's doing great. Um, so his, his kill points were 6,240. Uh, yours were... Don't know, we're 6,260. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> points, man. So, uh, yeah, you're in second place on uh, 205 points. Obviously, five, only two players on five majors. Um, and you only lost it on, on the sports votes to, to Colin. And you did get one sports, but he had two, by the looks of it. He's got 10 points. Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think that's a lesson for me, for my uh, army builds. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, uh, maybe David gave him one in the last uh, the last game there just to nudge him along, did he? <laughs> yeah, potentially, potentially. <laughs> uh, we're not judging. Um, so yeah, I'm him. super super happy for Colin, and uh, I, yeah. I don't think I particularly need a sword in my house, so <laughs> so I'm okay. <laughs> second. No, it's great to see, like you say, two Northern Irish guys, five majors, brilliant. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, pretty solid. I think um, the team's pretty happy with it. So we'll definitely be back next year in, in force. Yeah, yeah, I think we will be too, actually. We've been spreading the word, or trying to, so. Um, yeah, a great weekend, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it was my first one. I definitely, I think that and um, I guess Bobo will be our two big um, Northern Irish events again. Yeah, there's a um, huge squad going, Bell accounts to Bobo next year. is it of years, so I think it's going. Yeah, it's so I think, I think it's it's a couple of weeks before the Six Nations, so I, I guess that might be a slight uh-huh. issue. Yeah. Um, but um, that that is what it is, but Bobo's a, a hilarious event. Um, you just have to um, not get too annoyed at any Twittering that, that might go on <laughs> beforehand. 
<laughs> not be too sensitive, I think, as a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it looks fun. It looks fun. Yeah. I, I, I highly recommend it. If, if you can, I, I definitely suggest going, going down to that. So you, you mentioned the, the, the next Six Nations, so we'll, we'll briefly just chat about that because you've obviously, as we mentioned at the start, you've, you've taken on the kind of uh, administrative role for the for, for the 2019 uh, event from, from yeah. John, who's, who ran it up here um, for us. So, yeah, um, you want to just give a quick quick intro to that? We'll probably talk more about Six Nations later, and we've got stuff to talk about from our side of things, and you know we'll probably get more guys on as well because I think there's a lot there's a lot to tap into um, from, from all the countries, to be honest. So, um, but if you if you just bring us in on 2019. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's hung up. Have lost him. <laughs> His face is there. Hey, can you guys hear me? Oh, yep. there he is. He's back. Sorry, um, my my Wi-Fi started acting funny. The joys of being in London. It's uh, <laughs> well, I've got a good country, country for. I'm in Orkney, and I've got a crystal <laughs> <air> reception. <laughs> That's because you're the only person with internet in Orkney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, you've got you've got the the plug. Everyone else is everyone else has turned off. You've not got a phone. What's this all about? <laughs> I tell you, it's a fad. It's a <laughs> passive phase, and I'm sticking with that. Fair play. Um, so, sorry, so uh, I guess we, we voted to, to have it in Wales, as as in all the teams um, voted. Um, and I suggested to Tom, who's the, the Team Wales captain, that I'd be willing to to sort of organize it and allow him to try to focus on growing the community. Because the, the one thing we've kind of noticed in the last two two years of, of Six Nations is the Welsh team is not the Welshest it could be. No, um, definitely not. Yeah, so, and, and that, that happens over time, and I think <laughs> we're all kind of cognizant of that, and I think yeah. this is a, a good opportunity for us to really make sure that, that we can deliver on, on enough Welsh people. Um I think they've always had a terrible reputation back in, in fantasy days of, of marking people in, but at the minute it just seems to be um, not enough in the community. So Firestorm's super keen on having building the community. The, the, the captains are in co- contact with Firestorm and, and trying to build that. Um, and so I'm going to be the, the TO and admin junkie um, to organise it. So it'll be quite an exciting time. Yeah, should uh, be, um, I think. You, I th- yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, have you been to Firestorm before, or across yeah, Firestorm? I guess I've been a few times, both back in the day when it was a um, a shed or an underground sort of dodgy establishment to <laughs> to what it is now, and it's it's fantastic nowadays. Have you guys been down? No, I've no. seen a lot about it because it was kind of first to to appear, almost wasn't it? It was, and it was in the old eighth edition days, I think, when it when when they revamped it. Yeah, so it's it's just a huge venue. I think in the summer it can get warm, but at the start of June it should be fine. Um, it's kind of a big shop as well. Maybe in terms of shop space, probably similar, maybe slightly smaller than Element, but um, in terms of floor space, probably a bit more. Oh, okay. Or it feels like it has a bit more, but maybe, maybe it's actually just because it was more packed at, at Element. But um, it's it's definitely plenty of room. They have food on the food on the premises for for lunch. Uh, they serve drinks as well. It's Wales, so it's cheap. I think the the 
Cardiff nights out are by far the best thing in about um about six or about any Cardiff events. So the Friday nights tend to to be quite um intensive, might be the word. Um I've had many nights where <laughs> where you don't finish up until three or four. Um so yeah, so super fun as a place. Uh high, like I think it will be um great crack across the different teams. Um and then hopefully we'll everyone will have a good time. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely growing or well, I see it's growing, it's also still the same six nations, but it's it's like this year's was definitely a step up from last year. And I mean I think obviously the, the handbook and AOS two dropping the week before kind of helped magnify it and put it in the spotlight as well, which helped. But I, I, I guess you'll not be looking for any of that nonsense next year. No, I, th- I think that's one of the reasons, and, and we should probably sort out a charter among among the captains. Um, but but deciding to have it between maybe mid May and mid June to to make sure it's the it's the last um, event of the or of the season, as it were. Yeah. Um, and I think speaking to Tony at the weekend and, and, and you guys as well as our side, I think everyone's aligned that that should be how it is. Um, and if we run the risk of running it at the end of June, then we're always going to have, okay, it's not the latest general's handbook. Um, the only then question I have is like whether or not we should be using just the general's handbook missions. And I guess that's, that's one up for debate, uh, to be discussed later. Uh, cause it doesn't feel like at the minute that the general's handbook 12 missions or the six ones from this year um, are necessarily just for this year. So sure. Um, that brings in its, its own questions, I guess, as a, uh, as a TO and as a sort of community led pack almost. Yeah. Of how we should handle it. Yeah. Cause it's you know, like you say, it's, it's always, we've always done it on just the six, haven't we? So yeah, we have. And I think from a team building perspective, that's super important. Um, yeah. so if you know, you have like one, one event that's really good for monsters and, and heroes. Um, then that makes it really interesting if you build a list that's suitable for that. But if yeah. you've got, if you've got 18 scenarios that you could potentially play and it's super randomized, then it's too, it's too many variables and there's no way you can get a decent matchup kind of. Tactic set up almost, you know. On a scenario level, yeah, I agree. And then it becomes more of a list level, but um, I, I, and maybe that's not as much of an issue. So, so maybe actually, it, it there still is a lot of list level discussions, but I, I feel like scenario play is is a big one for the for the community. So I think come January, mm. that's something that we'll decide among among everyone um, to get their input and decide how we want to lead it because I think that's a big question I don't have the, the answer to today and, or I don't know if there's a right answer but it's just going to be one that's decided by uh, the, the various captains It matters obviously realm rules as well would it be the same obviously realm that all eight games play or would the you know like how we do it right now with the two matchups would they play the same realm and I mean, there's so much variables, like you yeah, said, kick there's in. so many layers now. Yeah, yeah. there's so I, I, much I, little things that add up. I think in f- to keep it fair, it should be the similar sort of structure. So, you know, whoever's your defender plays the same <coughs> scenario as the defender of the other team, because mm. that just makes it less uh, randomised in terms of um, in terms of matchups. Yeah, you know, you you, you could just get a really like hard scenario. Um, or sorry, you know, one could get a better scenario and realm that works for them, their defender versus versus another. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I think that makes sense. But then it's a question of, okay, do you have all the realm rules and um, do you have just limited abilities, kind of like what Facehammer did? Do you pre-select all the realmscape features? Um, like what, what is the most effective way to, to do that where it's a smooth matchup process, but it's yeah. still kind of allowing for multiple iterations? And I think that's one of the difficulties you have as a games developer is if you, if you don't see every scenario play out, it, it's sometimes quite hard to uh, balance that. That's it. I saw someone talk about that on TGA. That because you've got the 80 missions, you then times that by the eight realms, or well, the seven realms that you can play in at the moment. Is that how so much missions there are? Because the realms can vary a mission so much. Like if you play with full shadow and get the teleport and that, that could change like uh, total commitments so much just because you can jump about the board afterwards. Yeah, or or even um, even if you only pick one realm skip feature um, per scenario, mm-hmm. um, so you've got uh, the um, eighteen missions and the self, seven realms, but each of those have six different features. Yeah. It's just an incredible amount of of options um, to play. So I think I think we need to kind of decide those. I can imagine it will be a face hammer esque approach to it, unless I see something better over the next few months. Because um, I, I don't think the Malign Portent spells work terribly effectively. Um, maybe there's one or two that you could choose, but I don't like the bookkeeping involved. Um, because there's, you know, even if you only pick one spell from each realm that you like, that's not necessarily the core rule spell, mm. um, you end up having to take another book with you, and I don't think anybody wants that. It matters what the FAQ does in January as well. So I think a lot of folks fear Infernal Blades at the moment, and that's a really big... Like, nobody sees it as being a good spell for the game. Yeah. And if, again, in January it gets changed, folk might obviously change their opinion completely on spells, because they don't then... A lot of them are just buffs or debuffs. They're not... That's a game-changing spell once it yeah. goes off and hits something. Yeah, and, and to be honest, that's why I don't think we'll discuss it until January, because we'll just do a lot of what-ifs and... Yeah. And while it will be interesting debate, it will be completely irrelevant post the, the January mm. FAQ. Um, so I think that's more relevant for, for other team events. But um, I, from my side, I think the, the general setup in terms of the structure has been pretty good for the last um, year. And all I want to do now is just try to improve it, make it a bit more transparent for people so that they know, in say, the Scottish community, you know, who to reach out to, how to get involved, um, you know, what your charter is, where it's located, and and those sort of things, and, and same for any other communities as well. Um, so at the minute, you know, I think if you're an English player, it's not always clear who you have to contact. Um, and I say English because that's probably the biggest community, and I, whereas yeah. the Scottish oh, yeah. community are probably relatively tighter, you know, yeah, and, and know know you guys and, and know who to touch and contact. Um, but also for other countries as well. So we we had an interest this year from. Uh, Germany and France um, in terms of expanding the Six Nations uh, and I guess we need to decide which, which direction we want to go we, we kind of discussed it before but I think that's always going to be an open question of, of if we should expand it, how should we do it um, and is that something we want to do as a, as a community 
Yeah, lots to think about. It's, it's it's a nice tight format just now, but you could being on the inside looking out. Obviously, we you know you you're not going to vote for, vote for uh, changing it maybe as easily as people on the outside looking in. It's yeah, I, I think there's. I, I like the idea of, of you know there's, there's six teams and you play each of them. Exactly. Yeah. I think the round robin system is really nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great system, nice and I think and I, I think either you go either we do six nations or we do um, you know thirty. I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't. I don't think there's a good balance in between. No. And and the, the thirty um, is kind of answered by the ETC in theory. Um, yeah. If and I think this year uh, the English team are giving it a go. At, are you guys looking at the ETC? No, no, I don't think this year. Well, it's not of the six nations group. I don't think it's a target at the moment. Just due to we'd struggle. I think we'd struggle. Well, you wouldn't have maybe you'd probably have half marked English like what Wells. It's a side event. It's a side event as well, though, isn't it? I think it's still it, a side it, event, yeah. If it was a main event and if it was part of it, I think people might make more of an effort. But at the moment, you know, it's it's yeah. I don't know. I think it's a difficult one to commit. It's a, a quite a lot of travelling for us to get there and a lot of organising and yeah. It's it's maybe not we're not quite ready for it yet. I think I think my two issues with it are one, it's I think it's still a four man team, although maybe it is eight now. So I think it's still six at the moment. Oh six, sorry. Six so is I, weird, yeah. I like it's weird. I, I like the, the eight man's um yeah. for for international. So that's one one issue with it. And the second issue I have is they're already trying to lock in General's Hamburg eighteen. Um yeah. for for next year. And we know that there's gonna be a General's Hamburg um nineteen. Yeah. And I don't think any of our team, and any of the Northern Irish guys, or certainly I wouldn't, would want to play two months after it's out. No, um, yeah. no. And it's just, I think that's like a very ETC mentality. Of, we didn't even of, want to play a week, did we? That was no, exactly. They, they, <laughs> yeah. they lost, they lost what, three or four countries of, I think they, of they the lost few they nine. had. Was it, well, was it yeah. the many as that? Only yeah. four turned up, I think. And there was, was 15 drops. Shambles, really. Yeah, like it was it was it was it was a silly amount. So, um, and I understand why, right? So it, it's all about disposable income and and people practicing for a tournament. And um, but I think we are kind of privileged and we're going to adapt pretty quickly. And you know, even the Swedish who who kind of kept the same list as before. You know, I think we we all kind of have different approaches, but we have the same attitude of let's just play whatever's fresh. Oh, exactly. Um, and so did all right as well. They, <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like that's an AOS thing, right? Because we all had 8th edition and, and the people yeah. who didn't want change went to ninth, and the people who were okay with change went to 8th. Yeah. Um, and you obviously have new people as well, but um, that that in itself is the, the main issue, I think. Um, it's just a mentality difference that people don't really have um, in in the ETC. Um yeah. So I think we're going to start. I know Pete's looking at it, but I think the six the six nations is still going to be the the top priority. And I think it's just a question of okay, how long do we, as a sort of group of six nations organizers, give the ETC to try to create it before we just do something that's better? Yeah, um, agreed. And that's that's the real yeah. question, right? Like, should we just organize our own thing because mm-hmm. we clearly have demand? Mark Wilson runs a, a, an awesome event in Blood Tithe, mm-hmm. um, which I can't remember. Were you guys down for? I know there was a, no. a Scottish no. team. No, no there, there was, was a Scottish a, team. There was a Scottish team, but it wasn't us. Okay, so 
It's it's an awesome event. Highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so there's plenty of international demand out there, mm-hmm. um, and I think we could easily run something that would work. Um, but equally, if the ETC can make it work, then it makes sense to have that and all in the one sort of corporation or shell or whatever. Yeah, that's no, interesting to see how it'll what, what'll it come pan out. I think yeah. next year will be the time that we start to talk about it. Um, but because I don't, I don't feel like it's right to talk about it yet, and it'd be good to kind of have one sort of like or another Six Nations out of the way. But maybe that's not actually necessary. I definitely, um, I would quite like to see when they actually have enough teams. Like, so like you say, like right now they're talking about locking it into eighteen already. I would like to see, obviously, pardon me, this see the success of if they do stick to the book or if they played to demand of what people actually want to do and jump, obviously just go with the flow of going to the new book. Because I don't think AOS needs the same, would you say, harsh comp is what 40k seems to. 40k seems to need to get its reined reined in very quickly on how broken things are sort of thing for ETC. Always kind of has been. Well, but I think I don't, don't even think it's a broken thing. I think it's just um, the list change and the meta changes with the with the general's handbook because they they increase the price of the things that are very broken. Or yeah, um, and I think the issue is it's it's not that um, the things are necessarily broken in AOS. It's just that uh, that say change host right, like it went from super popular to then being priced out. And I think they want to avoid that happening to people who spend, you know, the, dis- the limited to, disposable yeah. income they have, like a big percentage of their disposable income, on practicing for a year, and then it just gets completely nerfed out. Which is obviously not the attitude I take as a player, because I play Destruction, Rain or Shine. Um, yeah. But I understand the sort of meta chasers who, who pick yeah. up the, the top things and want, that, want to run that for... Um, want to run that and like the seraphim players out there who buy three engines before they um before the faq came out yeah before the faq came out it was like well like as much as i joked about the war bosses and the grots i had that in my list i'm yeah. going to take that li- virtually that list anyway like mm-hmm. just because i was able to do it and it's not like i went out and bought a lot of grots like i did b- build an extra 20 sure but um i don't think i don't think my list would have been significantly different without the the silliness, and there are people out there who would go out and buy 140 grots for, for, for a week, right? Um, Absolutely. So I don't know. I think that's a, a cultural thing, um, and it's just a question of do we, you know, how many years do you give the ETC before we just say, actually, you know what, we'd rather have like a, a organized only international one. I'm sure you can get loads of people from the US over the. Yeah. Um, you really uh, did technically at Facehammer. You really had Domus and that and. They all love yeah. sort of thing. The atmosphere that we do have here, is, I, I, I think, I think the atmosphere is a lot stronger community build than what it was ever for eighth. I feel, for me myself as a, a player, you know, I mean, like folk talk a lot more. Like WhatsApp seems to have blown the world apart with these AOS chats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an awful lot of uh, information you absorb, but. I think Discord as well is probably something that we underutilize as a as a community, but there's there's Just, a lot Discord out there. Discord might be better for Six Nations, to be honest, as well. That's like, another debate that we should have, yeah. <laughs> like, for sure. 
It's public information. Folk can go into it quite easily. And, you know, I mean, if you were like added in the group, you would be hey, able to see e- all the way back. Ethan, I've got that. I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got a phone, so I can't WhatsApp. It's probably the best. My wife would kill me. But, uh, yeah, but, but there you go. I think, uh, I think the Six Nations should be really exciting this year. I think the pack-wise, it's, it's way too early to start thinking about it, but we have plenty of time now that we've locked in the venue to decide how we want to move forward and make sure there's a really smooth handover process that it's not um, yeah. taking too long. Not that I'm saying it did this year, but um, but I think that's really it. The sooner we can lock that in and, and make it transparent, so that if you do have venues who want to bid for it, sort of independently of the country, yeah. then that they that it's open and they know they can be at least researching to figure out how to do it now. Mm. I'm not saying that we need to do that because I think some venues will, will be pretty uh, localised. So there's probably not that many places in Scotland that can do it. There's not that many in Northern no. Ireland. No. Um, no, but you, you, can see, you can see Element doing it. You can see, you know, places like that doing it. Um, yeah, England's got many. Yeah, they, they definitely have more. Um, and if they want to compete for it, that, that makes sense. But yeah. But, um, I think we need to make sure that that's in the process and also deciding, okay, when can Scotland come back and bid for it is another big question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do we need it, do we need it to be in every country? Because if we're not too careful, it's going to be Ireland two years in a row. Um, and I don't know if that's any, something everybody wants. I'd like to see it go full circle, but I understand it's not quite as, you know, that, that's the romantic view. There's, there's obviously, uh, logistics and everything else. To do. I mean, obviously the Swedish guys have been traveling every year. So, but of course they're just one team. The rest of us are a bit more local. So, I mean, there's, yeah, you can, you can go round and round with the arguments in this one. Yeah, exactly. And, and to be honest, whatever we decide now, we'll, we'll just change next year anyway. Yeah. So, so, so that's always the issue, but I think it'd be good to have like a very, sort of a voted on charter and, and transparency because that's just the thing that we're kind of lacking with our yeah, elite WhatsApp yeah. group, right? No, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even at a country level, we've we've kind of expanded that and run on it. We've we started rankings up kind of end of last year, but properly the start of this year, and it all kind of feed, oh, it was designed to feed into a sort of masters, which will run this December for the first time. But it all naturally feeds into Six Nations and. It's it is almost the pinnacle of the of the calendar in many ways for the for, for the competitive guys in Scotland and this is a great way to kind of feed into it. We've prepared a charter like you're talking about to try and make it totally transparent about how the team is picked because there is more interest now. There, there wasn't two years ago. Um, you know, we, yeah, yeah. We, we've got eight players and we struggled to get eight. You know, we, we that was last minute. Uh, you know, trying to recruit guys in. Um, it was obviously a lot easier this year because it was at home base. But even so, there wasn't huge amounts and, and it was never really properly administrated. Whereas next year it will be, with, you know, if there's clear rules in it, the, the, the captain and VC will be decided next week. So, you you know, you can start getting stuck in with them and, and the players will become apparent as the year comes to a close. Yeah, and I think that's so. That's the way we do it. So the first year we had like, okay, who wants to play? Yeah, please, pl- please play. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and then uh, last year there was a bit of competition, but it was um, sort of the, the the newer people who joined the scene kind of joined it too late because we did have the rankings already up, and we kind of we because I was in the eighth edition 
uh, sort of AOS or Six Nations and sorry, the 8th edition Six Nations and, and ETC, I kind of kept a lot of the, the rules in place and the formats. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're pretty close with the 40k team over there as well. Um, so we have a similar sort of vibe and charter and, and way of approaching it. Um, but now we're at the stage where you, you're going to have people who are just disappointed with not uh, not going. And, and to be honest, one of the things I said at the start was like, I'm going to play up until the point at which there's loads in the community to play. And then I'll make a decision and whether I backtrack on that and try to join the team again or or whatever yeah. um, is a different thing. But but this year it just seemed like a good idea for me to, to be a bit more organizational. Um and less um, sort of less involved in the team because there's, there's definitely a lot of people who who want to join it, and I'm sure we'll have quite a hopefully a strong team. Like with Dave and, and Colin are are certainly going to be on the team, and, and Peter yeah. from last year as well. Yep, yep. No, it, all, it all bodes well. It all bodes well. So, um, well, I think that'll probably do it. We've we've been at this for a few hours now. Yeah, so, yeah, um, of course. Great stuff. Thanks, thanks very much for coming on. Um, great to have you and hopefully we'll see you back in Scotland one day yeah um, and I'll definitely see you next next year in Wales so well maybe not me who knows uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think play better <laughs> excellent cool guys good stuff yeah, right well, to join us again Donald as well thanks for coming on yeah no problem cheers thanks for having me yeah we'll definitely have you back on because there's loads more to talk about as this year progresses yeah. For sure, we can bring on Pete as well and have a Northern Irish chin mic. Definitely, definitely. Cool. Cheers, guys. Great stuff, then. Cheers a lot. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Intertrader is diff.